And now, it's time to sit back and enjoy the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Broadcast. Disney won't stop. Hope Molinex and Chris Honeywell have finished Clone Wars twice and Rebels once. Now they move on to Resistance and beyond. I'm Gene Gene, the MC Machine, and this is J-Guys and Jedi. Hi everyone, welcome to a brand new episode of J-Guys and Jedi, a weekly podcast covering every episode of Star Wars Resistance. In this episode, what begins as a simple recon mission of an abandoned First Order base with Kaz and Poe, becomes much more complicated once Captain Phasma arrives. There will be not simulated gunslinging. Mama Leia arrives, and Phasma of Tarth actually gets to do something in Star Wars. What a concept! We're talking Station Theta Black this week. How you doing, Krius? Good. I have to just say this episode, which was very, very Poe Dameron heavy, um, we happen to be recording this on Oz- Oscar Isaac's birthday, so happy birthday, Oz- Oscar Isaac. Oh, how about that? Yeah, happy belated birthday, dear sir. Like, yeah, you know he listens about to it airs weeks after, but, you know, there you, you know, go. You know Oscar Isaac listens to this podcast, very popular, you know, people like us. He owes me money. <laughs> no, but this this episode, I it, to me, is like... Such a good Poe episode. So as I was writing the notes, I was like, this is really fitting. It's Oscar Isaac's birthday. And you can tell he actually likes the characters still at this point. He's actually still having fun in Star Wars at this point. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <gasps> all fresh and clean. Well, you having a good week? So far, so good. I'm doing all right. I'm about to... Wish me luck, but to go into the COVID world of Florida in a yep. few days. Enjoy that. Yeah, yeah, not very excited about it. God, my sister's lucky. I love her. Because <laughs> I wouldn't do it for anybody else, <laughs> if not my sister. <laughs> yeah, especially not this late in the game, you know. I will say she's vaccinated. She's had both of her doses. Oh, okay. Um, her children are not, but they're been doing the work from school thing. My my concern isn't actually my sister. Um, my concern is everybody else around her. Right. <laughs> so, right. Like, yeah. So we'll see. Wearing masks, taking plenty of hand sanitizer and wipes, and being careful. So <laughs> come back in two weeks to see if Hope has COVID. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I must say though, Hope makes Chris catch COVID. You're so lucky. You're like on the other side of the country. I can't do that. Oh, I'm sure you could mail me some. Oh yeah, I could like look a uh, like look something and mail it to you. Be like, there you go. A lollipop. Awesome. Though, <laughs> <laughs> so, speaking of things in the next few weeks, we have a little bit of an announcement to make at the end of the episode. That may or may not be our guest for next week. So you just have to 
wait to the end to find out who our guests are for next week. And I'm actually very, very excited about it because both me and Chris has been on, on their show. So I'm very excited about yeah. this one. And they were honestly like the first people I thought of. I was like, when we do resistance, we have to get these people because they love this show. They like this show a little bit. Yeah. They, they, their quest is to interview every voice actor of resistance and they've gotten like 10 under their belt. Like, so like they, they love this show. So they were the very first people I thought of. So come back at the end. Not, well, don't come back at the end. Listen to the end. <laughs> Please stay. We're about to start the episode. <laughs> anyway, you ready, Chris? <laughs> Is your last episode going to be Oscar Isaac? Because that would be getting Oscar Isaac and the guy who plays BB-8. I can't remember that actor's name. The co- comedian actor from The Office, right? Was he in The Office, that guy? Uh, what? <laughs> He's some comedian guy. He did the voice of BB-8 was just oh my god is it it's ben schwartz and bill Hader. yeah 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 bill Hader. yeah from saturday night live yeah so that the the oscar isaacs and bill Hader are going to be their tough gets for that show i think what you never knew that Oh my God! They, I mean, that was right, like at the beginning of the Force Awakens, like when the Force Awakens first came out. They, when they, they, they were talking about how he did it, and there were all these. He did the whole talk show circuit and would do his, his noises that would get turned into BB-8. Yeah. Ben Schwartz is the consultant. Bill Hader did the the voice. I did no, I did not know this. Oh my God. And I love Ben Schwartz, too. Ben Schwartz um, is the voice of Sonic the Hedgehog, and he's also the voice of Dewey in DuckTales. Like, these are, like, things that I love. How did I never know that they were... And Bill Hader is, of course, Bill fucking Hader. How did I never know this? <laughs> well, I learned something I today. don't know. We've, we've learned things today. I don't know. I don't know how you did that Star Wars fan, but you did it. Didn't did, do it. I did. Well, you ready to get into the episode? I am. We're about to talk some controversy. Oh, okay. Yeah. Station Theta Black is the 11th episode of Star Wars Resistance, and it aired on December 9th, 2018. If I remember correctly, this was the season one mid-season finale. Yeah, it was. It was. Because the, the next episode, Bebo, was the first episode back after the Christmas break. It was written by Brandon Allman and was directed by Sergio Pais. Some extra information for you. Leia Organa is voiced by Carolyn Hennessy. Her other works include Jesse, The Rise of Skywalker, and she's also the voice of Leia in the Lego Star Wars All-Stars. Now, Carolyn, Carolyn Hennessy wasn't originally the Leia for this series. They quietly replaced the voice actress after the original voice actress after some controversy. The original voice actress was Rachel Butera, who posted a video imitating the voice of Dr. Christine Blasey Ford the same day that Dr. Ford testified to Congress about her assault at the hands of Brett Kavanaugh. Fans, fans saw it as mocking, and I've seen the video. It's not a great video. It's not a good look for her. So Lucasfilm quietly replaced her with Hennessy. It wasn't until some Eagle Eye fans noticed the change that, and that broke the news of the replacement. Because before the series came out, of course, Rachel Butera's voice name was on this project. And then when this episode came out, people were like, wait, 
that actress is different. That's not Leia's actress that they announced. And that's when fans put two and two together. And they're like, oh, Lucasfilm replaced her because of that. So, anyway, Leia Organa is wearing the same ring as The Force Awakens and The Last Jedi. Carrie Fisher was very adamant about women in the sequel trilogy needing space jewelry. And it carried over into Resistance. And finally, and this is just, I, I thought find this as a cool thing. I liked this when we were in Rebels and, and uh, Ezra was like, what's a ray shield? Because he didn't know what a ray shield was because technology changed. Hyperdrives are one of the few indicators of technology advancements in Star Wars. In the Republic, Jedi fighters needed external hyperdrive rings to jump to light speed. During the time of the Empire, through the, the tide of them, them, them. The, the TIE fighters were still too small to carry hyperdrives, which is why the TIE Defender was created. And small rebel ships had them. And now, in the time of the First Order, Special Forces TIE fighters, like Cap Major Von Regs, can uh, carry hyperdrives and jump around in hyperspace. Yoda, I forgot to write you a Yoda question. Oh, no question for Yoda. How you doing, Yoda? How, how's Yoda? What? How's Yoda? What? How's uh, Yoda? Yoda has... Yoda's had moss and ear problem. Aww. What, what, what is, what's your life doing? You feel good about your life right now? <laughs> yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. You, you enjoying, like, uh, like shuffleboard in the, mo- in the, in the bog? The sh- shuffleboard works not so well in bog. No. Not very shuffly. What, what, what are you doing now? You go out with those like uh, those cute frog ladies that live in the next town over? Uh, just talking right now. Just talking. Yeah, yeah. Just exchanging a couple texts here and there. Yoda likes to exchange texts. Yes. Aww. Anybody who wants to exchange texts with Yoda, write Yoda. Yoda sends texts, yes, pictures, yes, maybe you like, yes. Has a lot of ladies been swiping right on you? I don't even know I'm trying to make this comparison. I don't know which is right and left. When you swipe right and swipe left, I don't know. Yoda will, Yoda takes swipes, any swipes Yoda can get. Have you, have you jumped Look, off the Yoda that has swipes in his bag here in case has to clean up. <laughs> have, you, have you jumped on that, that TikTok phase yet? Uh, what? All right, so I guess you're still on Snapchat, huh? <laughs> I, I mean, I just recently downloaded TikTok. I haven't even opened it yet. I don't even know how to use it. Yo- Yoda it. has been on internet news group, yes. Mm-hmm. <gasps> oh, like forums? Yes, yes. Yoda puts... Oh. Go to the forums with Yoda. Puts in, in entries and pictures. Maybe you what like. What is your AIM username? Uh, the, the Lust Jedi. All one You're word. You're right, Yoda. All one word. Make sure. It's on internet web. Mm. The Lust Jedi 69? Mm, 
Oh, ho, ho. very nice. Yes, maybe. Nice. Maybe Yoda will increase his security. Yes. <laughs> All right, Yoda. You know, this was a nice, this was a nice conversation. I'm, I'm kind of glad I forgot to write you a question. It's not often we get to sit down and have nice conversations. You, you go out there and you get those frog ladies. You go get them. Oh, okay. Got it. I believe in you. Leaving you. Uh, I think he's making it up. I know. He's just. You just got it. You know. Where are these frog ladies in Canada? That's what I thought. (laughs) That's why we don't never heard of them. What's their names? Oh, you never would have. You wouldn't have heard of them. They're in Canada. They're in space. They live in space Canada. I just thought back to our last episode. We recorded a. Home makes girls watch cartoons where it's like Dipper has a girlfriend in Canada. <laughs> I had a coworker back in the early '90s who who told somebody that you wouldn't know where she lives in Canada, and and like the whole restaurant <laughs> erupted in laughter. I actually did have a uh, friend who had a boyfriend in Canada, and the uh, boyfriend came to visit, and we were like, "You're <gasps> real." <laughs> <laughs> oh my god hi everybody in Ca- everybody in canada is theoretical anyway until they cross the border border they're just a wave and then they become particles when they cross the border into america so it is with <laughs> the whole rest of the world well are you ready to get into this episode i am all right <clears throat> what'd you think of this episode you like it I liked it. I um it was uh it's it's maybe a little less in retrospect although it's it's visually I like a lot of things in it for different reasons than normal but mm-hmm. it's it's very much like the the uh, Swolacious Crumb episode in a lot of ways. You know, it's it's Sort of like the rep, they do a lot of sort of repetition episodes, and I think it's a thing instead of like something. I think it's something they might have planned, and uh, but um, yeah, I I docked it a little bit for that, but I did. I like this episode a lot. There's a lot of really cool stuff in here. See, I disagree. I this episode to me is one of the strongest entries so far and i think it's probably one it's one of the most important world building episodes of resistance yeah sort sort of and yeah yeah no you're right actually i didn't think of it in that way but it's there's a a ton of world building in this episode it's it's world building and it's but it's almost more world building into the movie larger universe world building Rather and it's than, one of the few episodes that do that. Rather than, yeah, well, yeah, yeah, it's disconnected from, it's another one disconnected from the space station. But, like, I, it, my main docking point of docking on this it will come in episode, in Act 3, but it's more of a plot thing than anything else, but... Yeah, but it's but this Ooh. and and Swolacious Crumb are like yeah they're outside and that one was sort of setting up for this one, but yeah, it's world building. Also, like, but it's not world building as much in the resistance as it is in the greater world building. To to me, the difference between that one and the Swolacious Crumb episode 
is Twilicious Crumb was bringing Sonara into the mix so it can world build on the Colossus. Right. Um, this, to me, actually feels like it is filling... It's one of the few episodes that really fills in the gaps of the sequel trilogy. Like, this is a needed episode for the sequel trilogy. Well, yeah, and, it shows you the process... You know, it's showing you some of what the, the First Order's been up to to make Not Star just Killers. that, but... A lot of the conversations... Well, we'll get into it. You ready? Yeah, 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 yeah. I was just curious your thoughts. <clears throat> Act one. I liked it. <laughs> I liked it, too. This is actually probably my highest score of the season so far. Ooh. All right. <clears throat> Act one. We open with Yeager hanging out with his old pal Bucket, waiting for the rightfully angry Tam to storm into his office. Yeager loaned out the fireball to Kaz, and friendly reminder, the fireball is promised to Tam, but this is Ka- but this Kaz kid keeps taking her ship out and breaking it. When Tam comes in, Yeager reminds her that it's still his ship, and he can loan it out to whoever he wants. And Tam is like, oh, well, Kaz isn't getting too far, because I, I was in the middle of fixing the stabilizers, and it doesn't have any working stabilizers, so I hope you just didn't send Kaz to his death, old man. And Yeager's like, damn it, this is why we have memo boards, Tam. So Kaz is up in space, and his ship is suddenly not working. In fact, it's getting really close to boom and blowing up, and is going to take BBA and Kaz with it. Luckily, the that's not the fireball. Uh, the luckily post ship, the mother ship, gets there just in time, and Kaz is like, oh thank God, next time I'm gonna take a space Uber. On the main resistance ship, Poe and CP23, who I love, meets up with Kaz and BB-8. And Kaz has first order proposal for Doza and hands it on over. But Poe leans in and goes, by the way, the boss wants to talk to you. Nice. That's a good burp. Kaz is like, the boss? Oh my god, you mean General Hutslayer Leia Organa is here? And she wants to talk to me? I love her! And Paul is like, we all love Leia, let's go! And so they head back to the main room, and there's Leia, looking amazing. She thanks Kaz for his hard work, and says that they think that they found the First Order outpost in the Unknown Regions. And Poe is like, so Kaz, I have like this mission, and I need a partner for it. Do you want to be my wingman for- with me? Let's be wingmans together. And Kaz is like, I will wing your man anytime. Don't take that out of the context. Let's go! And Leia grabs Poe, sticks a finger in her face, and growls, I swear to the Force, Poe Dameron, this is a recon mission only. And if you engage the enemy and make a mess of all this, I will ground you. And I don't mean flying. I will send you to your room. And Poe is like, I know, Mom. Jeez. Let's go, Kaz. Mom is so uncool, but not really, because she's the coolest mom ever, and we all love Carrie Fisher. Poe and Kaz head out to the Unknown Regions, and Kaz mentions that he's still getting used to the whole life-or-death situation thing of being a spy. And in a poignant piece of dialogue from Mr. Head in his cockpit, Poe says that he never got used to it either, which is a really, really good line for him. They start picking up something man-made and find a buoy, leading them to a path of buoys. I just like saying buoy. I also found out that I forgot how to spell buoy today. It took me like 12 times. I was like, how the fuck do you spell buoy? 
found out. <laughs> Where am I? I lost my spot because I was talking about buoys. There I am. They follow along the buoys. <laughs> see a base. I just like putting buoys. It's so close to boobies. Boobies. Baba buoy. Baba buoy. Baba buoy. Buoy. Boobies. Anyway. Uh, they float into the base to see that it's built into a huge asteroid. CB-23 isn't picking up any life signs or active droids, so Poe wants to go in. Kaz, as the surprising voice of reason, reminds him that they're surveillance only. But Poe has this cool guy light of, oh yeah, we're surveilling, surveying on the inside. And they land inside, and Kaz does not like any of this. Kaz is like, Poe, Poe, my bro. If this wasn't, if this was a TV show, the First Order will probably show up sometime in the next 15 minutes. We shouldn't stay here. But Poe has CB-23 fly their X-Wings out of there and hide in the asteroid so they can keep on going. And probably, and the most important piece of world-building dialogue in the show, Poe hands Kaz a blaster. Kaz, who has military training, says he's only fired a simulated blaster. And Poe is like, what does that even mean? I am very confused. And Poe states that this is real, not pretend. And Kaz might have to actually shoot someone. They move deeper into the station looking for a computer terminal to find out what the outpost is doing. And BBA accesses the joy point and finds out that the station isn't abandoned. In fact, it's being prepped for demolition. And right about then, a First Order Citra Joy shows up, grows some robot arms, and is ready to throw down with our dudes. What do you think of Act One? It's pretty good. That this is the starts out my my I have I have two criticisms of this and one is normalize old Carrie Fisher, <laughs> let her be matronly and and wrinkly and show her, you know she's Princess Leia she's battled her way, just like Carrie Fisher battled her way to her age. You know, and survive survived, you know, a harsh, you know, Carrie Fisher's personal life or whatever. But you know, she survived. She's a survivor type person, and uh, you know, let Leia be. She's. I. I. I just wasn't. They. They got the voice right. The voice. And I was thinking. And and I. I remember watching this the first time, and my brain just sort of did a little swirly swirl, and I thought to myself. Oh, of course, this is before. And then I thought, no, this is right on the verge. She's the same age as when we see her in episode six or seven, you know? Yeah. You know, why not have her be? That? I, I think it's just the art style. But actually, that's not an excuse. Her because... body her body type is not the same body type as Carrie Fisher. She's 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 got pretty much the same body type that she had. in. And the, I was about know, to say, like Empire Strikes Back. Season two, we get Mika Gray, who is very much about the same age as Leia, and she has wrinkles and, like, white hair, and you can clearly see me. I just pulled up a picture of Mika Gray. Like, you can clearly see Mika's wrinkles. Like, Leia is very smooth. Um, you can, you, she's got she's got a little crow's feet around her eyes and maybe a little, like, you see a little smile lines around her mouth. But, like, they didn't have to make her look old, but, like, even if they made, I mean... Carrie Fisher's head is shaped differently, <laughs> you know, she's older, you know, and that's what, that's the, you know, that's the, the, the person they picked to play Princess Leia, 
that okay that you know that's what princess leia would look like as a person and so there you can interpolate what she would look like as an adult or you know at 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 70 years old you know and had carrie fisher died when this came out no not she was still she was Um, still alive yeah, but she normally, I don't think she's ever done any of the animation stuff. Oh, or no, the video that, games. That, that's not what I'm I'm getting at. And it's also the, the characterization of Leia. Like, I re- and this is, this is like. I will, say, I will say this much. I know that season one was made while they were making Force Awakens. Okay, okay. So, um, it, it had, you know, I mean, she's, she's probably, you know. I mean, yeah, she's got to be. We we in any of the animated shows we have not had. Um, I mean, Anakin's a huge care and Obi Wan and stuff like that are huge characters in the Star Wars canon, and stuff. But of the original characters, R two and three PO are only and Lando and you know the the is Luke Leia and Han. This is the first time. One of, one of the big three is shown up in a show, which is funny because it's a show that's the most detached from from references to the movies as much, you know, and especially to that time period. You know, it's removed from that time period and it's trying to reference forward into the new movies coming up. And so, like, you're almost like forced to you. Oh, you got the the, um, you know, scenes with with Leia they're almost reverent in the the fact that you've only got her for like a couple scenes in this in an episode so she has to impart you know the standard leia line which is kind of what like leia would do in reality as a politician she would sort of like if you're meeting like a young rebel for the first time you make your make an impression on her but it's a shame that you you you're not going to get like a Leia in a relaxed. Oh no no! What am I saying? We had Princess Leia in Rebels. What am I saying? I'm I'm dropping stuff out of my brain. That's all right. But, I was uh, I will definitely say it. I don't mean this like to be. I was ch- double checking to make sure Leia Carrie Fisher hadn't voiced anything else because I I didn't want to say like oh she hasn't done any of the voices in Star Wars. And I take that back. She did voice Leia in one of the Lego Star Wars. Uh, video games for the force awakened but i have to only i have to guess that they use archive footage right right Um, right but i I was double checking that yeah she so she hasn't done the closest she did is she did the robot chicken star wars uh special Mm -hmm. as Mm -hmm. herself but um you know that's it's uh, that that was one of my one of my complaints, and my only other note is the fireball gets some uh, gets some free repairs. That's always you know, always, always a bonus. I've, I've seen people debate that because Tam is very well aware of her ship, and if it left with no stabilizers, and then it came back with stabilizers, we're gonna get to that in Act Three. I've and, got I've got notes in that. I've got notes. I can I can jump to ahead of them if you want to talk about it, or if you have notes about that in this part, I'll I can. Uh... Yeah, because it's something that never really bothered me, but I have like listening to like thing other podcasters like when they were covering the show, like multiple people pointed that out. 
of like Tam's gonna notice that. So yeah, go ahead and do your note, man. We're here. Okay. Well, I think that that was one of the that the 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 depiction of Leia being wonky, and this part is what um made me dock it a little bit in in points because they set up this thing with Tam and Yeager. And then there, and, and, you know, and I mean, this is, this is the setup into the little credit, you know, blur that goes by, dun, 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 that goes by is Jaeger and Tam reacting to, oh my God, Kaz is in space with his spaceship all, all crappy. And, and here's the part that's means his survival. And, and, uh, and then they never, they never, um, close that out. And because closing it out is going to, you have to, what you just said there, you have to sort of interpolate it in your head. And it's all, and you're right what you said. It's, it's like, if he comes back with it fixed, then she's got the part in her hand. She's like, Hey, wait a minute. How did Tam get the, or, you know, how did Kaz get this fixed? Or, or, and, and, and at the same time, they're like, Oh my God, Kaz is up there with a, a screwed up ship. Jaeger can't, you know what should what is Jaeger's Jaeger can't just be like oh no and then not do anything and 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 you're gonna have Tam even though like whatever she's not the biggest fan of Kaz or or is suspicious of him or a little yeah. little, little grumpy towards him she still likes him and doesn't want him to die yeah. so she's like she, we, she we should be like we have to go up and get him and and help him yeah. and 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 or Tam, Jaeger Tam would have to be like, Kaz I'll go, a, I'll go get him. I'll go, you know, I'll go get yeah. him and then Tam do that. But they just buy Kaz as a person. She doesn't like, she doesn't like, you know, working with Kaz, but she does like Kaz. As yeah, a she doesn't want and, him and to die because he flew we, off without that. asking. We've seen that they are becoming friends. Like, like they hang out together when, they, yeah. when they're not working. Like we know that they're friends. She just doesn't right. always like working with them. So right. yeah, I totally agree. Like this is a plot point that mo- like a plot hole that multiple people have pointed out that I, I just chose not to note it because I was just like, I, this isn't the first time people have talked about this, yeah, so right. I didn't note it. But there, there would have to that. there would have to be some explaining for like what what happened. You got up there and and you know and he could come up with a story like I you know I broke down and then a first order ship just happened to be there and they they took me on board and and whatever and or or whatever. But still, there would you, you would think that they would have to you know Jaeger would have to be like, oh, I'm going to rescue him. And then, and then after a while, if Jaeger didn't come back with him, she'd be like, what's, what's up? You know, either way, there's, there's stuff in here to make Tam suspicious. And, and it's not even as subtle as some of the stuff that's been making her suspicious before. So, and they just, it just gets dry. It gets set up and then it gets dropped for the story on, you know, the off the off, off planet story. That is a perfect segue into my first note, which is the opening scene with Tammy Yeager. It's not helping Yeager out with her, you know, losing trust of him and going to the First Order. Right. We have to assume <laughs> since we don't see it. But, yeah, you would assume so. Yeah. <laughs> with yep, all yep. that Im- all that's implicated, implied or whatever. Um, but did you have any other um, notes for Act 1? No, that's all I got. Uh, my only other note, and this... This first one is kind of a two-parter, and I'll continue it into the uh, second act. I like how much 
the scene where Leia is just like, don't you dare engage. Like, it's so much like Poe and Leia in The Last Jedi. And it has that feeling of their relationship. Um, like, you can see how it's the very similar scene of her just being like, get your head out of your cockpit, you know? Like, it, it feels like this episode, it has so much, especially for Poe, which is what I'll get into in Act 2. This this episode feels like it's setting up a lot of their relationship in Last Jedi, especially. Um, which makes me wonder if this was... Actually, no, I take it back. This was being written around the time of The Last Jedi. And it was finished before The Rise of Skywalker was finished. That's what it was. Um, so it makes me wonder if, like, this was kind of like a, a story group synergy of just, like, you know, they have this fight in The Last Jedi, and he's not trusting Apoldo, and then Leia comes and, you know, like, knocks him out. Um, but it just, it has a lot of that echoing between this episode and that movie, and I really like that. Cause there, had to, really... there had to have been character notes that, that Lucasfilm gave them about the characters of uh, rudimentary as rudimentary as they could of the dynamics between Poe and, and Leia, you know, since yeah. they were going to be in movies together, they had to like have, have some, you know, even though they didn't plan out those sequels really well, they, they must've planned some things to, to keep the characters. We know that the animation can work really well with not a lot of planned movies. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's so. true. But I just I really like that. And I'll come back to Poe because there is um, another piece that made me just go, this is Last Jedi Poe. Um, and, and finally, I, I noticed I noted it. But to me, there is so much weight in that scene where Poe gives Kaz a blaster. And that one line, I, I think about that line probably more than I think about anything else in Resistance. That line always stuck out to me where he's just like, you're a, you went to the Navy. What do you mean you're not trained with a blaster? And just Poe's entire confusion of, like, how can you go through the military and have never shot a real blaster before? Like, that piece is just so much world building and so telling of the New Republic, of what they're doing, how they're training their soldiers, and how it's setting up their downfall come Force Awakens, and why they're so, like, wildly unprepared for for the First Order, because Poe, like, Kaz, like, you know, grabs the blaster, immediately points it, and Poe's just like, oh my god, don't shoot me. Like, it's clear that Kaz has no concept of how to really use this thing. And I'll come back to this later on, too, but he has to learn how to use a blaster pretty much on the fly, because all he's ever done is simulation. And, like, I think about that line a lot. Like, that line just has echoes of like across the other movies of like what is happening right now in the new Republic. And that line to me is just such an important scene and it's, it's a short scene. It's like, what, 10 seconds, but it, that scene alone just has so much weight to it. Yeah. They're basically a guerrilla group, not as much as the new, the new Republic as um, the new Republic is just fresh and trying to figure it out. Uh, yeah, relatively fresh. Oh, you mean the resistance is the guerrilla group? The re the resistance is a is a, gr a guerrilla group, but oh, okay. it's not you, quite as guerrilla as maybe say the rebels were in Star yeah, Wars. Yeah. They're a little, you know, but yeah, yeah. they're they're uh, by the but but you know, I mean, Kaz's training was was New Republic, I take it. And it was. He was a. He was in that. We see that in the opening episode, the opening scene. He's part of the New Republic Navy. So yeah. 
he's gone through military training and he's only had a simulated blaster. That was his first time using a real blaster, which yeah, is why Yeah, because they're probably more like the UN than an army, you know. They're trying to be. I, I yeah. really do think that's what they're trying to be. Yeah. Um, which is why they're so cut off guard from the from the first right. order because they're trying to be more UN than army. Right. Well, they're trying to run the they're trying to run the galaxy where the where the resistance is an army <laughs> with a with a guerrilla group, an army with a uh, with a with a focused goal. Yeah, but that's all I have for Act One. Did you have anything else? I'm ready for Act Two. <sighs> Me too. So, Act Two. The First Order sentry droid starts firing at them, and Cat's panics. And he flounders with his blaster, and Poe has the best line of the episode saying, Can you pretend shoot that thing already? And like a cool guy, Poe takes out the droid with one shot. Kaz is not happy about any of this, and reminds Poe that they're not supposed to engage. And he wonders if they set, up, set off some kind of alarm. And Poe is all like, Alarms! There's no alarms! Meanwhile, at Starkiller Base, there's an alarm! <laughs> Turns out that Captain Phasma of Tarth is like, Welp, looks like we have some intruders on Station Theta Black. And she calls in Major Von Reg of the Red TIE Fighter Bros and says that they're going to go oversee Station Theta Black's demolition on their own and take care of this little intruder problem themselves. Back with the heroes, Kaz is ready to leave. Not because he's scared, but because they're really pushing their chances of being caught. Even BB-8 is like, Bruh, Poe, we gotta get out of here, bro. Like, you're my bro and all, but you gotta listen to Kaz on this one. And Poe just doesn't want to hear it at all and presses on. And right on cue, CB-23 lets them know that the First Order is arriving. And Phasma of Tarth wants this big explosives spread out all over the pretty station and big old boom. And she wants to find the intruders too. And she just wants all the things because Phasma of Tarth is great. And Kaz is like, I told you so, Poe. And Poe is like, fine, but they're going to destroy all the evidence of this place. So let's get that evidence first, kid. Let's go. And they find the control room and they pull up that this wasn't an outpost at all. It was a mining facility. And it's used, the material they mine is used to make blasters. Lots of blasters. And the First Order has mined enough stuff to make a shit ton of blasters, which could be evident the New Republic Senate would need to act against them, the First Order. But of course we know that they don't because The Force Awakens happens. But hey, it's world building. BB-8 copies the information and they run out of there. But when they turn a corner, there are two First Order soldiers with big explosives carrying them around. And Poe's like, hey guys, I don't want to make our Cold War turn into a real world war. So I'm just going to point my blaster at your big old bomb if that's cool. Kaz is like, oh my god, this is how I'm going to die. And they're in a standoff! What you think about two? Um, the space stuff and resistance, this is episode like... It's it's weird because it's sort of this one and Swalicious Crumb are sort of off they're, they're the off planet ones or, you know, off the base ones. And uh, so they have a different feel and they have stuff that you don't see. They're in space and they have space, you know, familiar spaceships flying and stuff. And uh, 
And it just makes, you know, watching this one, I was just like, man, that stuff looks really good in the Resistance style. You know, the spaceships fly, just, you know, stuff that we got used to seeing in Clone Wars and Rebels. It has a whole new sort of flair and feeling to it in this one. And, it, and it's really cool. Mm-hmm. It works really well for it. It works even better, I think, than the other stuff, which is sort of now established reality for it. So it's got a sort of freshness to it. That's a really good point. I didn't think about that, that since we're on the classes so much that when we start going other places, it is like we've never seen it before. It's been yeah, this this, this show is almost like an episode of a, a like a different episode. It's almost in like a different pocket world because it, it's has very little to do with the Colossus and it's world building forward into the movies and it's, you know, visually different and it's, you know, it's only really one character, one of our Colossus, one of our Colossus characters and everybody else yeah. is from the movie or, or related, uh, you know, or just side random, random stormtroopers and stuff like that. So, it's it's just it's got a weird um uh feel about this. I wanted to also thank you in your in your um your uh synopsis to use the word flounders. I I always like to hear flounders. Ah. <laughs> like, like Do you mean fl- like weird like a positive weird though? Or like a negative weird? You said it has a, a weird feel to it. Novel. How about that? A novel feel to it. Oh, okay. Um uh, let's see. Um, oh, they use exclamation points, and I noticed in in Star Wars universe because there were little little flashing buttons with exclamation marks on them on the bombs, you know. And I was like, oh, I guess maybe exclamation marks mean the same thing in Star Wars, or they mean something different. But it's just a coincidence that they they look like don't push this button. <laughs> but that's all. That's all I had for part two. Not a lot of notes on it. So I, I only have really like two big notes and one's kind of like multi-parter. So to get back to what I was saying about how it feels like they're setting up Poe for The Last Jedi, I really like this episode to show how reckless he can be at times. And, he, and he's doing it for a good cause. You know, he wants to, to like get this information because it's important to the resistance. But like... It's very clear he's continuing to, like, push that goalpost further and further. He's just like, no, we got to go to this next part, Kaz. We're got almost done, but let's go here. No, one more thing. Let's go here. To the point where even BBA is like, we have to go. <laughs> like, when BBA is like, dude, you're starting to, like, lose your, your cool here. Like, you're, we got to go. It's getting dangerous now. And Yeah, no, po- but that, that that's the thing is Poe is, like – like Kaz was at the beginning of the show, Poe and like Poe is way more advanced than Kaz, but in the in the in the context of his arc in the movies with the with the in the big time, he's mm-hmm. on the beginning of his Kaz arc. He's a little uh, he's a little you know up 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 his own ass and and a little too you know cocky about things. So in his own way, they're very similar. You know, they're very. Oh, yeah. He's just he's just that way on a higher level. <laughs> oh yeah, and and I actually really like that about that, especially like when we get that one scene where 
he's in a standoff with the first order troopers because th that's another great piece of world building because I, I think something that they don't really do well in the movie is actually at all um is actually they're in a cold war right now it's first order versus the new republic but they're in a cold war and neither side is trying to give the other one a reason to shoot for like they, they they want to attack each other but nobody wants to be the one who initiates it because then they're the bad guy and that scene where he's in a standoff with the stormtrooper is a very telling scene because you know that's exactly where poe dameron wants to be he wants to be engaging he wants to be in fighting yeah. he has yeah. those orders to not do that but yeah. i in, in but at the same moment, time, both sides of them could kill either side, and neither side would know who killed them. They would sort of know, but it would have been also secret. So it would, it wouldn't have been like a inciting episode in a war. Plus, there was a bomb there. But I like, I like the fact that just like when it happened, it it's one of those real realistic, um, realistic situations where nobody has a plan and nobody really has a way out of it, and they're all just sitting there trying to negotiate you know and yeah. Kaz is a little behind but he's not really ahead you know but but Poe isn't really ahead you know yeah. but Poe's ahead of him in to in the point of where Poe knows we're in negotiation right now so I better start negotiating <laughs> whereas yeah. Kaz is just like what do we do what do we do but I yeah. definitely feel like the first order was the one that's actually more on top there because then they could be like look at Leia Organa's resistance. Like, this guy has hacked us first. We were just doing our own stuff in the unknown regions, which is not even Republic territory. It was like, a medical not... facility. Yeah, yeah. like, it was, uh, the unknown regions is not the Republic's territory, and they could just yeah. be like, this This Republic soldier guy and this other kid that's also the son of a senator, let's throw that in there, um, yeah. attacked us first. So, like, really, the First Order had the upper hand there. They Like, they could easily spin that as a way of, like, you guys attacked us first, let's go. Um, but I, I, there's just so many, like, little world-building things um, that I really, really like about this episode. And it's so subtle, too, but it's also really needed in the sequel trilogy. Um, and, and the other thing I actually really liked about this episode is because... Poe is supposed to be the adult in the room, but he's so cocky and gung-ho and it head up his cockpit. I really enjoy seeing Kaz being the voice of reason. Like, this is a position he's not normally in, where he's the one going... Yeah, no, that's a, that's, <laughs> that's, a, that's a kind of classic turning out since Rebels, or not even Rebels, no, in, in, in uh since Clone Wars with Ahsoka and Anakin, you know, it's kind of a Filoni verse spin on yeah. things. It's I, just, I just heard the voice. I just heard Ahsoka's voice. It's the episode with Cad Bane where Cad Bane has the holocron and like Anakin is just pushing ahead as the ship is crashing and Ahsoka goes, patience, master. Yeah, 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 yeah. Patience. And like pulls him out of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's such a good thing for Kaz's character too. And like, it, it's it's kind of a, a roundabout way of him like getting that command experience too, because eventually he's gonna be like leading people and stuff. But it's, I think what makes it very interesting is their power dynamics, because we know that Kaz looks up to Poe, he respects Poe, he is like starstruck by Poe, but he's seeing Poe being this 
reckless pushing forward where he's just oh, like, well, we yeah. have to go. Poe's <laughs> making him safe. scared for his life. So that that always will have an effect. Even though you respect yeah. somebody, that'll still have an effect on how oh, you yeah. interact with them when you're scared. <laughs> yeah, but I, I really enjoy seeing Kaz in this like voice of reason role. So, well, yeah. it's this. I also thought this is good because it's scarier for Kaz. It's more like this is real and stuff, but it will make it, it, it will definitely like his experience in this will make his uh, life, make him a little more confident with life on the Colossus. You know, mm-hmm. he's he's come up against stormtroopers in this one and and the first order. So now he's probably more prepared for anything, and he's used to things on the Colossus, and now he's starting to get used to engaging with the First Order. And, and you know, he's done it before, but because it was that episode where everybody was betting on his life that he would die, which is still the funniest scene of the entire show. Um, but he was going against First Order Troopers too, but he didn't have a blaster, he wasn't armed, he was just mostly just running and hiding and surviving. But this time... I don't want to say he's fighting because he's still running and hiding and we, we don't X3 that, you know, he doesn't actually shoot anybody, but he's learning skills. That's actually a yeah. note I have in X3. Like running, he, running, hiding and surviving is pretty much war anyway. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And he is, he learns, actually, I might as well go and say my, one of my notes in X3. Like he learns from Kat, uh, Poe, like just seeing Poe shoot out the door one time and then Kat starts learning that lesson. Yep, he starts yep. shooting out doors to save himself. Yep. And it's it's different now. And it's it has that it, it's that step up from the high tower when he was running from stormtroopers. And it was like this fun comedic scene. But now it's much more serious. Like and it's that step up for Kat. And it's just I like resistance because they while a lot of times they do feel repetitive when they do repeat something, it's a step up. Yeah, I think it's. I think they're doing like now. I'm thinking they're doing it for a reason. So I, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm starting to dig it a little more. Mhm, mhm. But that's all I had for Act Two. Did you have anything else? No. Let me take a sip of my drink. Act Three. Let's do it. Do it. Wrap the puppy. Do it. Wrap that. Oh, I can. I have allergies. I cannot do my Palpatine voice. I guess it's extra gross. He's like, wrap that puppy up. Ultimate puppy. Oh, ultimate puppy. There's a there's a scene in Scrubs where it's just like, this man is dying. Quick, get the kitten box, and they just dump a box of kittens on a man, and he's just like, ah, and like we saved him. And there's like ten kittens like sitting on his chest, like rolling around. He's just it's, it's, that's what I just thought of. Anyway, I, I thought you were going to say he had an allergic reaction or something. Like, no, <laughs> no, cardiac he's, arrest. No, he's saved because they dump a box of kittens on him. And he has, he's so happy to have ten kittens like rolling around on him. So That's the way to save me, but if it doesn't save me, it's a good way to go. That is exactly how I would die. And then Covered in kittens. Body. Yeah. Covered in happy kittens. Happy kittens. And then they eat you, and they're all full kittens, and they sleep on your corpse. It's great. That's fine too. Once I'm dead, they can eat all I, all they want. Maybe. I did say that one time to my my sister, and she thought I was the weirdest person. I was like, but if I die and I have a cat, I, the cat needs to be fed until. I'd rather it eat me than starve. That's for sure. Yeah, like you know, and I'll be dead. I won't care. It'll help with the cat's grief too, because after just eating the same food for so long, it'll be sick of it, and it'll be it'll be fine after that. 
Yeah. Well, I'll be back. I don't care if my cat eats me. So anyway, I'm just All right. <laughs> On that happy note of our pets. Usually I'm the one who's mean to the puppies at this part and and you just jumped in to fill the void when I didn't wasn't didn't say anything about puppies. It's and it was scary. Scary hope. You better be careful. Your cat keeps going in and out of heat and when she's in heat she's like, Mmm, Chris looks extra delicious today. I bet I could eat his ankle. Yeah, well, yeah. Anyway, three. <laughs> All Poe right. and Cass are surrounded by stormtroopers, but Poe whips his blaster out fast and shoots out the doors as they close. But now, Phasma of Tarth knows where they are and is on the hunt. The boys get split up. Poe is being all cool and fighting stormtroopers and punching them in the face, and BB-8's like shocking them. It's cool. Cass is just trying to stay alive. And Poe comes face to face with Phasma of Tarth, and he runs for it. Both of our heroes make it out to the catwalks of the hangar bay on opposite sides. While Poe is in a shootout with Phasma and her men, Kaz swings around a crane and hits their walkway with it. Poe scrambles up out of the way to Kaz to safety as Phasma finds her feet and, and tries to keep going after them. Poe calls in CB-23 to bring in their X-Wings, and they hop in their reds and fly on out of there. Phasma of Tarth calls for all the stormtroopers to return, because it's time to blow up the station. Poe and Kaz think they're on the clear, but uh-oh, Major Von Red is waiting outside for them. And they bank back towards the station to use the structure in a dogfight to protect themselves. And Kaz is like, wow, I'm going to have to remember these flying skills for the season one finale. This is going to be super helpful. Suddenly, Von Red and the First Order break off their attack and are flying away. And Poe and Kaz don't have long to realize why, as the station explodes and fireballs huge, threaten to take out both of them. But it's Kaz that's in trouble because, hey, remember, the fireball sucks <laughs> and it's not fully functioning right now. And somewhere on the Colossus, Tam is going, yeah, I told you so. Poe loses sight of Kaz in the explosion and finally gets out of it. But when the explosion dies away, there's no sign of Kaz and BB-8 anywhere. Poe searches the battlefield for them, swooping wildly between the asteroids. And then, Kaz calls in that he's safe. He swooped down at the last minute and hid behind a big asteroid, using it as a shield against the blast. And Poe's like, that's my boy! I'm so proud of you! My baby! My baby resistant spy! And now that they're both okay, they head back out of there, back to base. They meet back with Leia and hand over proof of the First Order that the First Order is making weapons. But Kaz point-blank says that his father, a senator, does not see the First Order as a threat at all. You know, more world-building. They won't believe this information. And Leia says that many of the senators are profiting from the First Order who's making weapons. So there's even more world-building right there. Leia says it's valuable to her, and Kaz is thankful that he can be a part of her resistance. And Leia stops and tells her, it's not her resistance. It belongs to all of them. They're all important parts of it. And Kaz thinks that more people would join them if they actually knew what the stake, what, what was at stake. And Leia, who lived through one rebellion, looks so gravely at him and ends the episode on kind of a downer going, yeah, I hope you're right, Kazuda, because going on but going on what happened last time people didn't really start fighting that hard against the empire you know until my home planet blew up 
Hope your planet doesn't blow up in the season one finale in like ten episodes. Bye, guys. The end. Yeah, basically. Yeah. See, I know they weren't going to do it because Leia's in this episode, but the, 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 they could have taken the important that line from this and put it up in the front with her first scene with him and use the scene to sort of close out the things with uh, Jaeger and uh, Tam in in some way, you know. Or, uh, or just bring it back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They could have closed it out back at the... Because... Uh, we're gonna assume that we're, you know, we're gonna assume that that um, they're gonna report back with the information to Leia, you know. So you don't really have to show it. Um, let's I, see. I don't mind it though because it is more world building. You know, having Kaz say like, "My dad, the senator, won't believe this very this proof that we are bringing them because they're profiting off the first order." Like that, that is. That is still like world building. That's really important in this timeline. Yeah, yeah. Well, he could have, he could have, they could have, they could have communicated that sometime. In they could have communicated that in uh, between him and Poe, even in some sort of dialogue way earlier on. It, you know, when that once they got that information. So, uh, let's see. Yeah, uh, Phasma in action. It reminds me of watching a Mando in in action. This is um, this might be the best. I okay, and I'm gonna say this as someone who hasn't read the Phasma novel, so I'm I only mean this on screen. This is the, probably the best use of Phasma on screen. The, it's definitely the most use of Phasma on screen for sure. Yeah, so, like which, she is smart. She's conniving. She's shooting things. She's hunting them. She's deadly. She is like she's commanding her troops like. This is a really great use of Phasma. It sucks it's here. <laughs> she gets herself out of trouble in an action scene, you know, in an action yeah. way. Yeah, it's it's yeah. you get to see her you get to see her showing off her stuff. She she's been a prop. She was a prop in the movie. She was set set up and put in you know, she would come out come out and be like blah 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 blah, you know, and mm-hmm. did a little bit of action in the last Jedi, but you know, what it was still sort of just like standing and talking sort of stuff this does she's sliding down things and leaping around and yeah so officers when she's like all right when von Reg's like i can get them she's like all right your funeral bye bitch yeah <laughs> um and i and i just uh, just a general note i love any kind of abandoned base and stuff happening in it so that always is good um um shouldn't that bomb been a bigger explosion when they shot it and it went off because boy oh boy you would have to set off a lot of those bombs to blow up that place you know and she was basically at the beginning they were piping out four bombs and she was taking them and going all right make sure you put one bomb in each of the four quadrants so it's like each one of those bombs was supposed to blow up a quarter of that base and it basically, you know, they were able to sort of stand on the other side of a wall as a door closed while the bomb was going off and survive. It should have just taken out that whole, like a chunk of that asteroid, you know, like a quarter of that asteroid should have gotten blown out by those bombs. So I thought I thought that was a little weird. That bomb should have been bigger, but it was yeah. minor, minor thing. Um, another rare thing is since we're in a, a novel type of episode is uh 
like there was a lot of imagery evoking episode four and like the trench battle of episode four in this, which is not something I'm used to. I'm used to seeing stuff evocative of scenes from other movies in um, in Clone Wars and Rebels, but not in this one. So it was a little strange, but it was really neat because I like the way they do spaceships and space battles in this one. The yeah, only the only it thing is, it is very much like the trench run. I get yeah yeah I see that. And uh, and so it's uh, like it's on its side because they're going through it like around the base instead of in it. So. The only thing that I think like the um, resistance does that evokes like the original trilogy is um, um, Moss Eisley Cantina. <laughs> you know, there's there's stuff, but they don't. It's not direct. Also, sort of thing. It's just sort of the same idea. But my only other note is uh at the end of this nobody's telling phasma ain't telling and uh and poe ain't telling you know they, they about each other you know what i mean they they Not can so. just they, they both they both have their asses covered going away they both sort they both sort of got in there and got their stuff done but poe doesn't have to tell leia that he engaged and phasma doesn't have to tell anybody that some some resistance people got in there and might have gotten some information. Uh, that's something. a cold war. Yeah, they both get, but but they get out of they they both get out of it to where it's like when they go back to base, it's just like yeah, the you know everybody's you know Phasma's people are gonna be happy because they blew up the base, and Poe's people are gonna be happy because he got the info, and they're not gonna you know and. uh Nobody has to tell anybody that anybody engaged with anybody. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was a neat little detail. But that's all I got. Um, so I'm ready to my notes. Um, I just kind of wanted to note this, and this is more just like a character journey thing, um, especially because it comes back in the season one finale. Um, I like seeing Kaz grow with Von Reg, kind of like his pilot rival for him. Because the very first episode, the opening scene, Kaz just was no match for Von Reg at all. And here, he's doing a little bit better against Von Reg, but it's still not great, and Poe has to help him. But when we get to the season one finale, we know that it's Kaz who who takes out Von Reg. So I like, like, they, like we were saying, like everything kind of repeats a little bit, but we're seeing Kaz get a little bit better against Von Reg until in the season one finale, he takes him out. So I, I just like that, seeing that character um, growth in him. Um... Okay, so here's my tiny gripe of the episode, other than, you know, plot holes, but I wasn't going to bring up. I wish that Kaz had jumped into the X-Wing with CB-23, because he jumps into the X-Wing with BB-8. We know that BB-8 is in the movies, so we know that BB-8's not going to die, which means Kaz doesn't. Oh, okay, I was wondering why you thought, because I was like, it gives Poe a reason to be like, you know... Poe would be sadder about BB-8. <laughs> the, yeah. well, no, 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 that. no, but he also he was like kid, and he's like BB-8. But, no, 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 that's not that. Just that, but like it would just build the tension. Like I remember watching yeah. this for the first time because Kaz is with BB-8. I'm like they're fine because I know BB-8's fine. Yeah, I, I I totally didn't think of that. Yeah, I totally didn't because I saw that note and I'm like, oh okay, I I wonder why. But yeah, that makes total sense. Yeah. But if he had jumped into the like the ship with CB-23 mm-hmm. and and they didn't know. You, you know, like, CB-23 is not a movie character, and neither is Kaz. That would right. have 
right. of that tension. Uh, so he much is the main about- character of of Resistance. So, uh, but still, yeah, it definitely would have it would definitely would have made it a lot more. Yeah, I I I just I just remember watching this episode for the first time and like, yeah, I'm not scared for Cass. He's fine. He's with BB-8. I know BB-8's fine. They're fine. But like, if it was the other way around, I would have been like. Did, did they just kill the main character in, like, the mid-season? Because this was also at the mid-season finale. So, like, that would have been a big thing. Because, um, yeah, this was right before the Christmas break. This was the mid-season finale. And it's a hell of a mid-season finale. Um, even though I don't think it's supposed to work as a mid-season finale. Like, now that we're going through all the episodes, like, weekly and stuff, it doesn't feel, like, in the whole as a mid-season. But when it was airing, it did. So, um, And my only other note is Leia's final words that are, are just one of those very important connections to our real, real world. Like, I always say that Resistance is so connected to our real world. And just the fact that, yeah, normal people usually don't get involved with big, important matters until it's way too late. And I think that's such an important message that they're that putting in here. That is the cycle of history. <laughs> yes. Yep. I mean... Gosh, yeah, <laughs> but it just that that felt so so. I'm sorry, I'm moving around with a heating pad, um, which is why my chair is squeaky. That um that line just was like, yeah. I just thought about last summer during after George Floyd. I was like, yeah. Suddenly everyone's involved, you know, because we could see it, and they should have involved sooner. And that's just, you know, it, it just, that line felt so tied to our real world. Cause how often is it too late where people are like, Oh yeah. yeah, that is bad. Unfortunately. Yeah. Unfortunately, I think it's like one of those things that like, it's just going to be tied into the real world on, you know, mm-hmm. sadly enough. <laughs> but it's, it's nice, especially cause like this show is, we, we keep saying it's t- tied to like a target at a younger art- audience. So maybe it's a it's a good lesson to start kind of putting it. Oh, yeah. Oh, no. Well, that's what I say. It's going to be an eternal lesson or, you know, hopefully it's not going to be eternal lesson, but it's a cyclical lesson right now, you know. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. But that's all I had for Station Theta Black. Did you have anything else? Ah, no, I'm ready to score it out. Score this puppy up, Chris. Do it. I gave it I gave it an eight. It was good. It's solid. I love I, on a visual aspect. I especially love it. I wish like the I, I wish the, the like there was not as so reverent a a uh, a feeling of reverence for the the not to be irreverent to them, but lighter with the with the big characters like Leia. But at the same time, Leia is also the leader of the resistance. So she's also playing a part within the part of Princess Leia. So, but like, yeah, I gave it an eight. It was a, it's a, it's a solid episode. It's sort of a weird off in its own, off in its own world episode, you know, like side universe episode, you know, detached from the, from the Colossus. And, uh, yeah, it's kind of cool. Yeah. Um, Every time I watch this episode, I like it more and more. I think this is my first, my third time watching it. Um, and every time I watch it, it gets better. And, and the more I think about it, it's it's one of the best 
world building episodes of Resistance, which which is not what Resistance does. Resistance is not like Clone Wars, not like Rebels. It's not supposed to build the world of the sequel trilogies like its two predecessors, animated predecessors. But this is a good one. It does. Well, this it, 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 it's building the world of the. It's building a smaller world. It's building yeah. a world within the world. You and know, it just this so is a happens. larger world builder. Yeah. yeah, and it just so happens to really do a lot of legwork for the sequel trilogies. Like, this is, would probably be the episode I would tell people to watch when I'm just like, if you want some background on the sequel trilogy, watch this episode. Yeah. Because this yeah. has a lot of work. Um, and, okay. And it puts it in the context of something they've already seen before, too. So. Yeah. And I think it does a lot of good work for Poe's character, because this is, this is Poe going into The Last Jedi, and Kaz really shines in this episode too. Like I really enjoy what Kaz Kaz's role in this. And Phasma's cool for once. Phasma's cool. <laughs> so I gave it a nine out of ten. Like Ooh. honestly, the plot holes and the the ending, the lack of tension with Kaz with BB-8 is what brings us down for me. But I mean, I think this is a very solid episode. This is a super solid episode for me. Princess Leia's visual depiction and the lack of tying up the Tam and Tam and Jaeger is what what probably brought it down from like an 8.5 for me. Yeah. So guys, announcement time. We have another guest next week. We actually have two guests next week. Ah, 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 ah. And this is like really fun because. We were actually on their show talking about Resistance. God, was that what, like two years ago? It was a couple years ago, yeah. Yeah, it's been a while since we since we talked to them, but I'm super excited about this because they are the biggest Niku fans. They love Niku. They love this episode, and like to the point where like they've interviewed the voice actor of Bebo. We are going to have Brad and Sarah from Friends of the Force on with us next week to talk about our episode for Bebo. And I'm just, I'm so excited. I love Brad and Sarah. I adore them so much. They're just such an amazing, insightful team together. Um, they've also been, like, doing some really, if, if you're reading the High Republic books and stuff, they're doing some really good, good, good coverage of the High Republic. I cannot recommend it enough. They, they're doing some good stuff over there with that. Um so, yeah, like, go check out Brad and Sarah um, over at Friends of the Force because they're going to be our guests next week. So I'm very, very excited about it. Well, I love guests. I do love guests. I, we have not had a bad guest ever. Nope. But, like, they've all just been so stellar. No, and we've I'm never so... had a guest that wasn't actually completely delightful. So Yeah, I really enjoyed having Suara on, too. Like, I, he, he just has such an insight on, like, Sonara that I just didn't know. Um, it was it was just great. So I'm, I'm knowing Brad and Sarah and having had Suara on the show. I'm just I'm so excited for all of our guests that we're having for Resistance because it's just going to be such a great lineup. So, well, as always, we would love to hear your feedback on iTunes, Twitter or on the Two True Freaks Facebook page. This week, our feedback comes from the Facebook page and Twitter for our episode on the Lego Holiday Special. Oh, my God. <laughs> I, I will say, I, like I was going through I like. I was going through, we don't, we're, we're going to go through the uh, commentaries really fast because there's not as many comments on those. So we'll, we'll be caught up very fast. All right. The first one comes from Twitter and it's from Aaron Henley. And it said, uh, I felt more positive emotion from this special than the last two, than the last two and a half hour movie. Well, yes. yeah. And, and all the problems, 
all the multitude of problems of that movie aside, it's a it's a Lego special. It's got it's going to be positive from top to bottom. You know, it's Lego. And, you know, and though that the uh, Lego did a lot of the work of the last two and a half hour movie. <laughs> all right, and now on to Facebook, and we've got from, one from Diego Lemos says, "Hi guys, are you going to talk about Star Wars detours?" We've talked. We've we've uh, considered it. The adult animation Lucasfilm was going to release, but Disney canceled. There are a bunch of shorts on YouTube, and apparently an episode got leaked this year. Yes, and I have seen it. I ask only because the Obi Wan on those shorts reminds me of the Yoda on your podcast. So, That's um, the good point. He does sort of yes. He, so he has I, a he has a sort of uh, big old drinking nose and. In this one, they 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 really play on Alec Guinness in in the in it. it. It would be something we could cover very easily because the episode that they leaked is I think like eight or nine minutes long. They were yeah, very I mean, short shows. The reason I um I because we actually answered this on Facebook with Diego, but we haven't answered it in the show, so I thought this would be a good time to bring it up. Um, I don't want to say no, um, because we're open to doing any of the Star Wars animation stuff. Um. I know it's not on our plans now, but maybe it could be like a holiday special. Yeah, yeah. Because um, I haven't seen it. Um, I have. The, I, I'm. I'm weird. I'm actually not a big fan of adult animation. Um, I'm not a big Family Guy person. I like Futurama, um, but I, I don't it's watch a people, lot of adult It's by animation. the robot chicken people. Huh? It's it's by the robot chicken people, and I know. Yeah, it's by Seth Green. Yeah. Enjoyed. The, I know you've enjoyed that. So it's it's Seth Green. It's it's weird. It, it, it's it's less adult than and than Robot Chicken. So it's 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 almost more of a kidified Robot Chicken. So gosh, I haven't even seen Robot Chicken in like a decade. Outside of the hot the Star Wars specials, the Star Wars specials I don't know, I have, I don't know watched, if they still but, make it. Well, yeah, I haven't. I think they do. Let's see, Robot Chicken. I like that I wrote Robot Chicken Palpatine voice. Um. Yeah, it's still going. Oh, geez. I might have to go catch up with that because that would be very, they're very entertaining. And now that there were, that means there's a lot of seasons <laughs> in between when I stopped through, watching them. They have 10 seasons. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, I got to go back and, and watch some more of those. I, I just forgot that it was would still be happening. Yeah. Like, I, I watched Robot Chicken when I was and college but after college i just kind of fell off of it and i yep. just it's fine um i know i just i jumped off that family guy train family guy does nothing for me <laughs> but i've never jumped really got into rick and morty or anything like i just adult animation just not my jam at all and so yeah, like, but I don't want to say no. I don't want to say no that we're not going to cover Star Detours because we could. Um, we'll see. So the answer is a definite maybe. Candy. Yeah, and as time goes on, there's a, they had completed a whole season. So as time goes on, there might actually be a season flopping out there. So there might be, you know more material to cover in a in a special or something you know we could do a couple hours worth of of them you know like four or five episodes or something hey chris did you know that you don't like american kit cats i hate them 
I don't hate them, but they w once you get the taste for European Kit Kats, it's all over. Didn't you know that our friend Dario sends us candy from all over the world to review? I do know that. I'm holding the I'm holding the last three in my hand right now, wondering which one we're gonna bust into. Can we get the cookie dough one, for, the chunky cookie dough one from yes. Dublin? Well, that leaves two ooklers, and remember the first ookler we got? It was unbelievably amazing. Oh, we'll so I'm, I'm really, I really have some high, and this other ooklar looks like it has some caramely stuff going in it. So I, those two are probably going to be delicious. But a, a Kit Kat chunky cookie dough, come on. From Dublin, Ireland. And we have to take a moment to thank our friend Dario, who sends us candy from all over the world to review. We love you so much, Dario. Thank you so much for this. Oh, it smell, smell it. Oh, Jesus. Do you smell it? It smells like a cookie. Oh my god. Oh, it's in segments. Cool. A chocolate chip cookie. Okay. Oh my god. Oh my god. It tastes like a chocolate chip cookie. Like a... Like a... Um, a Chips Ahoy um, chewy cookie. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I never liked the normal Chips Ahoy. I've always liked the chewy Chips Ahoy because that's what my grandmother and my grandfather always had at their house. This tastes like a chewy Chips Ahoy cookie. It does. They've, they've, the, the, the cookie part, the cookie dough part is really more like texturally like Oreo. Mm-hmm. But it tastes just like a cookie. Holy shit. It's very good. <laughs> I recently had the the limited edition fried pickle and ranch Lay's chips. They're very interesting. I saw those at a store and wondered it, but they were like $4.50 or something for a bag of them. And I wondered yeah. if they were good. They taste like dill pickle chips until, but the aftertaste is where you get the fried pickle and the uh -huh. ranch. And they have a very strong ranch aftertaste. So it's almost like you bite into the pickle, and then you get to the fried stage, and then you just get aftertaste of ranch. So they're all right. They're not my favorites, but, you know, for what they are, they're really good. I, mm. I like dill pickle chips, so. But I, I only like certain dill pickle chips, because sometimes it's, like, too dilly, and sometimes it's, like, perfect. And sometimes it just tastes like vinegar. So I'm very picky about my dill pickle chips. Mmm, but Dario, this is delicious. Oh, my God. Mmm, mmm. Dumpkin Dario. Mm. Oh, mm. wow. I never put my phone on silent for this entire episode. Oh, you lucked <laughs> out. I know, right? It is time to take my Spanish lesson. Anyway, did you have anything else for Station Theta Black? I do not. All right. Well, where can people find you, Chris? You can find me at tutufreaks.com. That is our website where we have all of our podcasts, including this one. You can grab all our uh, all our info in our RSS feed to put onto your whatever kind of pod device you have, or you can uh, sign up for our podcast at iTunes. We are also on Facebook. We have the Two True Freaks podcast page on Facebook, where we post up all our shows as they come out, and the Two True Freaks cantina, where we all hang out. 
a, a good chunk of us hang out. Not everybody hangs out. A lot of people lurk. Maybe you want to lurk. And we are also on Twitter, and our Twitter is run by the legendary Gene Gene, the dancing machine. <laughs> oh, dancing machine. I'm sorry. We have to have a little guitar. Gene Gene. The dancing machine. Cha 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 cha. Gene. <laughs> and that's where they can find me. Where can they find you, Hope? You can find me at JS and Jedi on Twitter. I run our Twitter account. Oh, there we go. I felt it coming. You can also find me at Hope Mullinax on Twitter. I, of course, have my website, geekygirlexperience.com, where you can read all my reviews, and I've done a lot of writing about Resistance. And also, Chris and I have another podcast called Hope Makes Chris Watch Cartoons, where I make Chris watch my favorite animated shows. You can follow us on Twitter at that as well. And it's just our initial, so HMCWC Pod on Twitter. And we are just finishing up Gravity Falls, and then we're going to be starting Avatar The Last Airbender. Yay! Yay! Can't wait. Okay, have, um, yeah. Yay! Mm, only have, what, this like, candy four? bar tastes more like a cookie, the, the, the more just... It sits in your mouth! The flavor sits in your mouth, yeah. Oh my god, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah, I keep thinking, I was thinking about that too, uh, while you were talking, I was like, I need milk now. <laughs> like, I need to dip it in something. This is a dipper, yeah. Oh, absolutely. But yeah, that's where you can find me, so. Guys, come back next week for our guests. We're going to have Brad and Sarah on talking about Bebo! Like, Yay. guys, honestly, like, if you want to hear somebody just love Niku... Just love Niku so much. They're they're your people, man. They are, they are. And I'm excited because they also um, interviewed Josh Brenner, who was the voice of Niku, and that was like, they were so excited about that. So I would love to. Good. Hope. Well, we get to plug their episode a bunch of times when they're there. <laughs> yep, 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 yep. Uh, I hope I remember to be like, so what was like to talk to Josh Brenner? But you know, I'll probably forget by next week. The we'll, we'll, I mean. We'll pro- it'll probably come up since it's a Nico centric episode and they're big Nico fans. So, mm-hmm. so. alright, you guys. We'll see you next week. Next Bye. week. Bye. Visit our website at twotruefreaks.com. Two True Freaks is always spelled T W O T R U E F R E A K S. You can email Two True Freaks directly at twotruefreaks at gmail.com. Two True Freaks and all of its excellent affiliates are available on iTunes, and you can choose to subscribe to either the entire network if you wish, or pick whichever individual shows you want to follow. We have so many shows to choose from, there's just bound to be one that appeals to your particular fandom. Just search Two True Freaks with an exclamation mark at the end, space, and the number two. You can find Two True Freaks on Facebook. Just search for Two True Freaks. If you ever leave your house and you actually have friends, why don't you tell them about Two True Freaks? If you've enjoyed our show, please, won't you take a moment to rate us on iTunes? That helps others find the show, too. Thanks for listening. And join us every Monday for new episodes of Two Two True True Freaks. Freaks.
Boys.